Right, so Cheryl Richardson was one of the first life coaches. She is the author of numerous books, I think there's some like eight or nine books that she's written, and she was a regular on the Oprah Winfrey show. So her philosophy is that we need to employ radical self-care because only when we nurture ourselves and make ourselves as good as we possibly can be through kindness, compassion towards ourselves, can we nurture compassion for others and you know improve not only our own lives but the lives of those we come into contact with and the lives of those in the world around us. So I wanted to have a conversation with her about how we can overcome these thoughts that you know life is about sacrifice uh, to nurture ourselves especially in these difficult times of COVID-19 while we're under lockdown. So I hope you enjoy this conversation with me and Cheryl Richardson. Uh, very lucky to have a conversation with her and I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. Cheryl Richardson, thank you so much for um, agreeing to be on my podcast. I'm very grateful um, because a few months back, it was last year, I had a conversation with a young lady on my podcast. Her name was Leanne Perrault. And she said something that made me think, uh, and it was that the best thing you can bring to any relationship is a healthy, happy you. Mm -hmm. And I'd never really thought about that before. I'd always thought about work relationships, um, personal relationships, our relationships kind of with the world around us. There was an, had to be an element of sacrifice. Mm -hmm. And I've experienced burnout in the past and, um, you know, have often been left kind of um, done, done myself a disservice in the past by giving too much. And so it made me want to speak to someone about self-care. And I think these, these are very relevant times that we're, we're living in right now where we're under a lot of pressure personally and as, you know, as whole groups of, of people. Um, and so I, I was just wondering, where do we, where do we begin when we're, when we're feeling burnout, when we're feeling under pressure? How do we, how do we come to turn to ourselves to care for ourselves? Well, I think it's really wise to recognize that, <clears throat> excuse me, I think it's wise to recognize that how we support our own state of mind influences everyone and everything around us. So, um, you know, I've been coaching for a long time and I've been working with people. I would say this kind of foundation of my work really is self-care. And when I think of self-care, I think of it as honoring the soul that we are right? So each of us has a, a higher self, which is the soul, yep. and a lower self, which is the personality or the ego. I kind of almost hate to say higher and lower because both are important yep. and um, both are an integral part of being present here on the planet. Uh, but when it comes to self-care, I like to remind people that you're a soul, first and foremost, who has come here to experience life. And the personality or the ego is what has been formed over time in order to allow you to function here. And the more we focus on caring for ourselves as souls, the better our relationships are, both with ourselves and others, the better energetically we um, engage with the world, the better chance we have of being in a flow state, highly creative state, um, and the, the better chance we have of feeling peaceful, yeah. regardless of what's happening in the outer world. So, um, your prior guest was right. You know, the best thing you bring to any relationship is a happy, healthy you. Now it doesn't mean we're happy and healthy all the time because that's unrealistic. This is, you know, this is a hard place to be on the planet. Yeah. And in particular right now with the pandemic that's going on, it's even more challenging. And the reality is the harder things are on the outside, the greater the opportunity is to practice good soul care during this time, to really work at cultivating a calm, peaceful, sort of neutral inner state so that we can respond to whatever happens outside of us in the most uh, efficacious way. So, um, so what does that mean in practical terms? You know, what does it mean to actually take good care of ourselves? <clears throat> it means, first of all, recognizing that my number one priority. Now, let me just back up and say this. In a lot of ways, Chris, I think of this as very simple, but an advanced conversation when it comes to coaching, because 
I say to people, your number one priority is to manage your inner state and to, to be working at remembering, I am a soul in a physical body. My mind is my servant, not my master. And my job is to do whatever I need to do in order to return to a neutral, peaceful place. So whether that means um, meditating on a daily basis, you know, meditation, everybody talks about it. A lot of people roll their eyes at the idea. Uh, I, I tell people simply 10 minutes, set an alarm on your phone or set an alarm somewhere, get comfortable someplace, quiet your mind. Well, that's almost impossible, especially in the beginning, but sit comfortably someplace and begin to focus on your breath. You might even focus on a word or a phrase and decide that you will not get up until that alarm goes off. Now, if you practice that every day for two weeks, number one, it will get a lot easier. Number two, your mind will begin to be entrained to this practice so that it will calm down more quickly. Number three, you'll see your life more clearly. You'll begin to develop some separation between you as a soul and the reactive personality so that you can deal with your outer world better. <clears throat> now, the minute you sit down, to get quiet, here's what's going to happen. Your mind's gonna say things like, oh, I'm not comfortable in this position. Oh, you know what, my back hurts, I, I should have laid down. Did I, did I lock the front door? I can't remember after I got that package. I, I, I think I have to check the door. Oh, there's an email I forgot to respond to. Oh, I've got to get back to, your mind is good, it's like a child. It's gonna do everything it can to get your attention to, and to convince you to get up. And what I say to myself in those situations is, Cheryl, I'm a soul, mind, you're my servant, and we're not going anywhere until the alarm goes off. And I literally keep saying that to myself in the beginning. I don't say that to myself anymore because I've been doing it long enough. But beginning to just um, put that practice in place can have, I mean, that's like, that's the best coaching I could give somebody. 90% of the people won't do that on a consistent basis. Now, um, and when I mean consistent, what I mean is you're not going to be good at it. Sometimes you're going to say, the heck with it after five minutes. I can't sit here. I have to stop. Some days you'll forget. It's called a practice for a reason. Yeah. You keep going back to it and you keep practicing. And every time you go back to it, you get better and better. It's like every time you fall off the wagon when you're trying to eat better, you just get back on. You don't focus on why did I fall off or what's going on here. You don't put all your attention there. You just come back to, I need to get back on. Well, I need to get back on the meditation train. When you do that, it allows you to begin to witness yourself in the world. And how does that benefit us? Well, if you and I are having an argument, Chris, and I start reacting to you, and I, you know, especially if we're living together and we're stuck together, you know, under quarantine and we're driving each other crazy, which is true for a lot of people. Um, if I've cultivated this witnessing perspective, there's a good chance that in the middle of our argument, <clears throat> I'm going to recognize I'm being a jerk right now. Yeah. And I need to stop. Like, hold on. I'm in a regressed state. I'm now, I'm no longer an adult woman. I'm a 10-year-old in an adult body having a conversation with another probably child in a man's body, and we're not going to get anywhere. We're going to redecorate hell together. It's not going to be good. If I can develop a witnessing perspective, I can, you know, that's what's going to happen. I'm going to recognize, okay, Cheryl, stop. This is going nowhere. It's not loving. It's not helpful. Take a break. And we can do that in all different scenarios, you know? So self-care and self-awareness then kind of go hand in hand. So you're mm -hmm. You're not just self-care isn't just about giving yourself a kind of um, a free pass to to allow yourself to be your yourself at any opportunity, but it's about kind of recognizing the the kind of destructive habits, perhaps those those traits in yourself that that may do a disservice to your peace and harmony, mm -hmm. um, that kind of thing. Yeah, self-awareness is 50% of the battle, <laughs> yeah. you know, 50% of the work. Really, that's what, you know, one of the real gifts of the pandemic, it's a giant wake-up call for everyone. Now, as a coach over the years, what generally brought people to their knees, what generally had them say, wait a minute, how I'm living isn't working for me and I want to live in a different way, was a wake-up call. It might be the diagnosis of an illness. It could be the loss of a loved one, the loss of a pet. 
It might be the loss of a job. You know, some kind of major thing happens that wakes us up and makes us go, wait a minute, let me reevaluate how I'm living here. Well, the pandemic is doing that to everyone, whether they like it or not, or excuse me, whether they're aware of it or not. And the good news about that is it's making us, it's forcing us into a place of limitation long enough for us to recognize, wait a minute, you know, I've been living a fractured life. My little bits and pieces of my day have been eaten up over time doing things that really aren't that important to me. Or, wow, I really don't like where I live. I've been tolerating this place for years. This is not yeah. nourishing to my soul at all. Or this relationship that I'm in is really hard and it needs a lot of work. Like there's a lot that's going on. We're becoming aware. We're waking up and becoming more self-aware of our outer environment. Now, what most people just tend to do is begin to want to fix the outer environment. If I could just get you to behave in a certain way, Chris, then I'll feel better. If I could just um, move someplace else, I'll feel better. If I could just buy this, I'll feel better. If I just eat this, I'll feel better. It's normal. It's how we've all been trained, and it doesn't work. The first order of business is let me take a breath, calm down, get clear. Let me come back to my inner world and recognize everything that's happening out there, pandemic or not, isn't going to be allowed to impact my inner state. Like that's the goal. That's sort of what, where we're moving toward. That's difficult though. I mean, we're under a lot of pressure at the moment. There are people um, living at home with children who need, you know, child childcare is not there at the moment. The schools are closed. People are having to work from home at the same time. So you're juggling. There's an awful lot of pressure. Yes. How can you, how can you kind of find the time and the space to, to do that when you are under so much pressure? Yeah. So um, it's true. I mean, I've been talking to people every day who are in very, very difficult circumstances. So I don't want to appear glib. That said, I do really want to make the point. This is an advanced coaching conversation. This is the primary work we're meant to do. Yeah. Tend to our inner lives, regardless of what's going on on the outside. And I would even say, Chris, that the harder it is on the outside, the greater opportunity for growth. Okay. Yeah. That aside, I have friends. I don't have children. I have friends. You're absolutely right. Mom and dad are both working full time from home with trying to school their kids. It's insane. It's insane. So there's a few things we need to do. Um, first of all, we have to let go of perfection and expectations because there's no way you're going to be able to properly school your kids, properly get your job done, you know, properly take care of everything. S some things are going to have to go. As a matter of fact, a lot of things are going to have to be kind of allowed to fall by the wayside. I have um, people I know who are teachers who say to me, you know, I keep telling parents, don't worry, do the best you can with your children. We'll figure it out in the fall when we get kids back, whenever it is, we'll figure out what they need in order to get up to speed. Just do the best that you can. So first of all, like reducing the expectations that we have of ourselves, of each other, of the family is really important. Number two, negotiating time with people in your space, negotiating time to have the space to yourself if you can. Maybe you, um, you know, one, one partner takes the kids out for a walk or takes the kids into another room, or maybe you're just living with one other person and you both decide, okay, here's how we're going to renegotiate our time and space together. Maybe you're by yourself and incredibly lonely. There's lots of people isolating, sheltering in place and feeling isolated. Maybe you need to get outside walking with someone in a socially distanced um, way. Or even I've said to people who will say to me, I don't have anyone around here I can walk with. That's okay. Go out and just see people, see nature. Go out and be in nature if you can so that you have a sense of one of the beautiful things about nature is it makes the ego smaller and smaller. When you go outside and you look at big trees or last night, um, I got up at midnight and I happened to look out the window and I saw there were stars. The, you know, the sky was clear and I went to the window and it's almost a new moon. So it's dark and it was a brilliant night sky with all of these stars. And I just sat there like a little girl at my window, staring out at the stars thinking, I am a small, tiny piece of this vast universe. I'm part of something so much bigger. And this current 
pandemic is a small part of something so much bigger. And there's a way in which nature can help us to not take ourselves so seriously, not take the situation as not make the situation bigger than what we can handle, I guess is really what I want to say. So um, negotiating time, getting out into nature is another really important part of self-care. You know, nature hasn't changed. No, no, absolutely. Sometimes people will say to me, you know, somebody will say, I'm home with my cat and I look at my cat and I think, my cat has no idea what's going on. She's just living her life. The birds, which you might be able to hear. I have birds outside my, um, my window here and um, they keep me company. They have no idea there's a pandemic going on. They're going about their business and they remind me that, okay, life goes on. Life on the planet goes on. As challenging as this is, how can I tune into the reality that there's a higher life at work here? And can I ride that flow instead of the flow of fear and anxiety and what if and worst case scenario, which is hard, Chris. I mean, I really want to just emphasize that. I, I'm not trying to be simplistic. I have enormous empathy and compassion for what people are going through. And my capacity for empathy and compassion increases as I calm my inner world. It's interesting. Um, talking about getting into nature, um, I, I have this kind of notion that, you know, when you eat heavily processed foods and you eat, um, as opposed to eating kind of fresh fruit and vegetables, you, your kind of chance to become ill grows higher. You, you become susceptible to things like um, heart disease and diabetes and things like this. But when you're eating um, fresh fruit and vegetables, it's a much healthier way to nourish yourself. And in a way, I think sometimes the human world is a lot like those kind of processed foods. We, we remove ourselves from this kind of natural environment that we... Mm -hmm we are kind of intrinsically aligned with. And that's why sometimes we have to get back to it somehow, even if it's just, you know, stepping into the garden or, or even putting a sort of pot plant on the, on the desk in front of you, just reconnect somehow. It's, it's kind of nurturing for the soul and um, much healthier, much healthier way to be. I think sometimes. You know, it's funny. I was yesterday, I went to a local garden shop that was open. It's an outdoor shop to buy some plants to begin to, I live in the Northeast here in the United States where it's, we've had a cool spring and it's now warming up so I can plant yeah. some plants. And I thought, Oh, I'll go in the middle of the day. There'll be hardly anybody there and it will be easier. And it was jam packed with people. And what they told me is that more and more people are gardening right now. More and more people yeah. are doing that. And I think that's why Chris, that um, nurturing life somehow is another beautiful way of recognizing that life goes on. You know, nature goes on. Nature has been through, the planet has been here for what, almost 14 billion years, as far as we know, and life goes on. Absolutely. And w the, the planet has been through ice ages and fires and dinosaurs and like all of these things. And so there is something symbolic about planting a flower and watching it grow that reminds us that um that life is reliable you know that there is some kind of um there is some kind of force greater than us greater than the pandemic greater than our fear and anxiety at work in the world and um i do think that that's a beautiful form of self-care to be able to um, nurture some kind of life well, it's a very mindful practice, isn't it? Gardening or um, I, I have a very young daughter. She's just about to turn two in a couple of months. And when I'm with her, I'm very much in the moment. And, you know, when I, when I return from looking after her or being in the garden, I do feel refreshed and kind of um, less bogged down and less heavy than I, than I would when I was, you know, I'm on the laptop or I'm doing work or I'm kind of thinking about, am I going to meet my deadline and, and this kind of thing. Well, let's look at that. Sorry, go on. Yeah. Let me just say, um, that's a really important point, Chris, that um, children, young children do live in the present moment. Yeah. And if we begin to view them as a vehicle for that presence, so that when you're with them, you recognize, like, like, ex like um, think of her as a science experiment. Yeah. Notice how she behaves. What, she pay what is she paying attention to? What captures her attention? You know, what seems to be important to her? Um, how does she move in the world? Yeah. You'll, you'll notice that there are weather patterns of humanity that pass through children 
I'm happy, I'm elated, I'm sad, I'm angry, I'm scared. Like all, they just pass through because they're in the present moment. So they have so much to teach us. And just being in the presence of a child, just like being in the presence of a pet, an animal, yeah. teaches us, well, helps us to see and experience what it's like to be in the moment. So in that way, I think children really can be profound teachers for us right now. I mean, they can drive us crazy. I'm sure you've had that experience of Absolutely. just need some peace or I need to be able to focus on this work and how am I ever going to get this done when I'm tending to her or him. But um, at this point, the goal is to, is to recognize, return yourself to what really matters or the top priorities are peaceful state, present moment, love and connection with ourselves, with each other, self-awareness, witnessing ourselves in the world so that we have some space between ourselves as a soul and as a personality. These are things I remind myself of all the time. And throughout the day, if suddenly I feel anxious, and I do sometimes, a lot of people are talking about this, all of a sudden a wave of anxiety will come over them. I just say, okay, I'm going to breathe. I'm going to let this anxiety flow through me. I'm not going to grab hold of it. I'm going to let it flow through me. And sometimes I use a beautiful little mantra, clear mind, peaceful heart, yeah. clear mind, peaceful heart. And I will just repeat that to myself sometimes when I'm feeling irritable, irritable or anxious or upset, disturbed in any way. It's funny. I, um, so I've had experience of anxiety and kind of negative states in the past. And it's um, through tackling those that I've kind of come, come into this sphere. And that's why I'm talking to you today. Um, and they creep up on me that sometimes these, these feelings, they, they do reappear when I'm least expecting it. And yes. it might be first thing in the morning when I've just woken up and I'm still a bit tired from the night before or something like that. Mm-hmm. And it, but it's funny. It's at those times that I feel least um, willing to engage in those kind of practices of self care. When, when I'm feeling down or anxious, I really don't want to meditate because it feels almost in a way um, a silly thing to do because you're just sitting and breathing. Whereas when I'm feeling great, you know, I can meditate all day long when I'm already in a good state. And I suppose that self-awareness helps you catch yourself at that moment. Well, I think that, um, I think rather than meditate when you're feeling anxious, which in the beginning can be really difficult. If you were to just Stop and notice, oh, I'm feeling anxious. And say to yourself, I'm just going to relax into this and let it flow through me. Like really think about it flowing through your heart, right? In through the front, out through the back. In through the front, out through the back. You'll find the anxiety dissipates pretty quickly when you do that. It's when we start to think about it, work to ignore it, suppress it. Yeah. Uh Uh-oh. I'm feeling it up. There's that anxiety again. I hate that feeling. I mean, this is what happens, Chris. I bet you know this. Yeah. I hate this feeling. I remember when I was anxious before. Uh Uh-oh. Could this be the start of my anxiety again? It just gets bigger and bigger. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe this is depression. It's like, oh, no, hold on. Breathe. I'm going to let it flow through me. Just let, so it's almost like a dynamic present moment meditation where you don't have to get quiet and close your eyes and, you know, you just... I'm going to breathe it through me, breathe it through me, breathe it through me. Because, you know, this happens a couple of weeks ago, maybe, maybe three or four weeks ago, actually, when we were in the throes of this and I was getting lots of calls from people and trying to support people going through a difficult time. I remember one afternoon I started to feel really anxious. And, you know, it would, would have been so easy for me to get busy, to do something, to work or to eat or, you know, whatever. I I remember feeling like, oh my God, I don't want to feel this. Like, what can I do? And I just sat down in my office, closed my eyes. This is different than what I'm talking about. Just started breathing. And I thought I'm bigger than my anxiety. Yeah. My soul can handle this. And I allowed myself to feel the anxiety and I just breathed, kept breathing as I was feeling it. And I thought, okay, whatever this is, let it, let it be here. And it got bigger and stronger. And I thought, oh, I'm feeling even more anxious. That's okay. My silence can handle anything. Yeah. That's what I kept reminding myself. My silence can handle anything. Sure enough, it probably was a good 10 or 15 minutes. I just, I felt like 
Because, you know, part of what's happening, Chris, is we're not just experiencing our own individual reaction to what's going on in life. But when something's happening globally, we're actually experiencing the collective emotional and energetic response to what's happening. So there are times where I'm feeling the anxiety of the world. Yeah. I'm feeling, you know, the anxiety of the planet of I'm feeling other people's anxiety, maybe in my home, maybe in my neighborhood, maybe in the supermarket where I'm shopping. And I just need to just process that, let it go through me, not hold on to it in any way. Yeah. I mean, one of the, a very famous philosopher, I can't remember who it was, but they said that, you know, part of mankind's problems is our inability to just sit quietly. You know, there's always this, this push to be doing more, tackling more, you know, being productive and thinking about what's going on tomorrow. But sometimes we just need to sit quietly with ourselves, feel what we're feeling, accept it and just let it go, you know. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, as busy as some people are, what I hope during this time is that, I mean, there's plenty of people who aren't as busy, who are out of work. Yeah. And they're, they're dealing with, my goodness, I haven't been with myself in a long time. This is not good company, (laughs) right? It's very uncomfortable company. So people are learning to be with themselves. They're learning to be with nothingness without having to do a lot. And the poor people who are working, I have a sister who's been working two jobs, you know, the whole time she's an essential worker. And she said to me, you know, I'm so envious of everybody who has all this time to be with themselves. She said, and sometimes I get really angry at that. But then there are days where I think, well, I'm really fortunate because I'll have a job after this. So there are benefits. Yeah. But I say to her, but you've got to carve out some time to just be with yourself, to just really use this time as a way to kind of um, be present with yourself and reassess what's going on here. And so, yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's an enormous opportunity. That's what I keep saying to people. This is a beautiful opportunity to face challenging things as a soul, not as a personality. And little by little, if we can do that, we will use this time to our advantage and come out the other side more awake, more aware, more um, in touch with what our priorities are, more present and available to each other. Well, that's one of the things I was going to ask you, and this, this is probably a question that you've had many, many times over the years, but um, the world right now, I feel like it is in desperate need of more compassion and more seeing each other as humans, just, you know, me seeing even the people who I'm politically very, very opposite, but seeing each other as human beings with feelings, um, with, you know, the same fears and, and hopes and, and dreams. Um, but when you're, when you're talking about self-care, how do you make sure that you nurture yourself for the benefit of the greater world or those closest to you? And it doesn't just become a, a thing, a, a little bubble that you go into um, that becomes all about you. How do you kind of maintain that kind of more open aspect of it? I think the more, um, well, let me say this. In the beginning, for some people, uh, it really is going to be all about you. Yeah. And that's okay. Like sometimes if, especially if you're somebody who's made a career out of pleasing people and taking care of everyone else, you might actually need to let the people in your life know that you are going to take a sabbatical from caretaking for the next six months and you're going to focus on your own self-care. Why? Because the giving that you, you bring to the world has, um, has strings attached. And um, the way that we connect with true compassion and empathy well, let's just say true compassion, which is a high spiritual state to be in, is by starting with having compassion for ourselves. And really, you know, I have compassion for myself. This is really hard right now. I'm doing the best I can. Let me breathe. Let me, let me take some time for myself to go out into nature, to, to just sit quietly for five minutes, to get a good night's sleep, to um, choose a better food. Like, you know, whatever it is we can do to just take better care of ourselves in a basic sort of way expands our capacity to then be there for others um, in a very present way without, you know, there's a difference, Chris, between me being with you, present and clear-minded and um, caring, 
versus me being with you waiting to fix something, waiting to give you advice, waiting to support you in the way that I think you need to be supported. Like so much healing happens when we just listen to one another, when we're just present with one another. But it's going to be damn near impossible for me to be present with you if I can't be present with me first, right? It just can't happen. Instead, there will be an agenda attached to how I take care of you or how I support you. And um, this is a process over time where we learn to be more present with ourselves and that allows us to then be more loving and compassionate and present with others. So in the beginning, it might appear to be selfish, but I think of it as soulfish, you know, like a capital S, like really honoring oneself as a soul as a path to then honoring you as a soul as well, instead of my personality trying to be with your personality and then all hell breaks loose. Yeah, and then sort of waiting for your time to talk or waiting for, um, you know, waiting for your turn at um, getting getting the support or, you know, it's a selfless act of giving then because you have the capacity to do so, I guess. Yes, exactly, exactly. So there is this, this whole kind of wellness thing of mind, body, spirit. Of course, we have to we have to meditate, and we have to. Well, we don't have to meditate, but we have to kind of <laughs> take care of our our right. mental and spiritual health. But we also mm-hmm. have to take care of our physical health as well, and they're, they're very closely tied together. You know, stress can is a is a mental thing, but it can present itself physically, and um, mm-hmm. there are all kinds of problems like that. I mean, is it when we're when we're under lockdown situations? You know, when we're never more than three feet from the refrigerator. You know, how do we ensure that we are acting in our own best interests um, and not falling into bad habits that will ultimately kind of tip us over the edge into, you know, negativity or... Yeah, well, one of the things to remember is healthy choices begins with a peaceful inner state. Yeah. Right? A lot of times our reaching for sugar or carbohydrates, processed food, too much food, too much work, too much television, too much internet, too much alcohol, whatever it might be, a lot of times our reaching for those things, too much of those things is an attempt to manage our inner state. So it's really important to recognize that. Now, that said, something that doesn't get talked about enough, Chris, is that yes, there's a mind-body connection. So how I think influences my body, right? But we don't talk a lot about how my body influences my thinking, right? So for example, let's say that you're somebody who drinks 10 cups of coffee a day and you're really amped up on caffeine. Well, it's going to be really hard to calm the mind when the body's so activated, right? So if I take somebody who is running on adrenaline, who's running on caffeine, let's say, and I say to them, okay, you need to start meditating every day. I might as well sit them down at a piano when they've never played chopsticks and ask them to play Beethoven. It's ridiculous. It's setting them up for failure. It's setting them up for humiliation. It's setting them up for beating themselves up, which we all do enough of anyway. So recognizing that lowering cortisol levels in the body is really an important way to help calm the mind. Um, And paying attention to what we put into the body, one simple healthy choice, add something green to your diet every day. Forget about like a massive overhaul of a diet. Just add something green. Make a green smoothie or throw some spinach into a soup that you're eating. Like, um, what can I do? The question is, what can I do to just help calm my body down? Because if we can calm ourselves down, we make better choices. So here's some things to know. Just breathing deeply begins to metabolize cortisol in the body. So, you know, there's something called box breathing. where You breathe in slowly on a count of four, hold it for a count of four, breathe out slowly for a count of four, hold out, you know, the without breath for a count of four. So you can do that. That begins to automatically metabolize cortisol. So sometimes I think of it that way when I'm breathing, it's like... I imagine like there's this thermometer inside of me, right? And when I'm all amped up, the red line is up to here. But as I start to breathe deeply, that line, that that red line starts to calm down. Number two, exercise metabolizes cortisol. So getting out for a good walk, even 10 minutes, starts to lower the body's um, uh, energy, you know, excessive energy, let's say it that way. And we start to metabolize cortisol, we begin to feel better. 
just closing your eyes causes the brain to begin making alpha waves okay. that allows the body to calm down. And people don't realize this. While you and I are talking, or if, I, if you're working and you're, you know, you're online or you're doing your finances or whatever, the body's making, the brain's making beta waves. Beta brain waves are the, are the brain waves of work, communication, you know, organizing, strategizing, figuring things out. And the busier we get or the more anxious we get, the more beta brain waves the brain makes. So we get more amped up. Just closing your eyes says to the brain, ah, it's time to make some alpha waves. And the longer you keep your eyes closed, the more alpha waves your brain makes and the more your body starts to calm down. That's why when you're meditating with your eyes closed and you're just breathing, the brain's making more and more alpha waves and you'll begin to calm down whether you want to or not. Yeah. So that's a good practice as well. Um, limiting caffeine and alcohol. A lot of people will say, oh, I have a glass of wine at night to help me sleep. Actually, that doesn't really do that. It messes with blood sugar and causes most people to wake in the middle of the night. Blood sugar gets, you know, either drops, the body wakes up, and all of a sudden, you you know, the thoughts start and you can't go back to sleep. It's not easy. So beginning to limit some of the things, sugar, carbs, alcohol, caffeine. I'm not saying rip them from your diet, especially during this time. That's got to be, you know, that might be just too difficult for people. But I am saying just begin one less cookie, one less drink, one less cup of coffee, maybe replace it with decaf or decaf and calf or tea, I should say, you know, <laughs> one less because I'm a big tea drinker. And um, I have one cup of caffeinated tea in the morning and the rest is decaffeinated tea during the day. So how we, what we put into the body is going to influence how busy the mind is. And we just don't talk about that enough. I mean, this all sounds like it essentially is boiling down to a kind of mindful approach to living you know, mind, being mindful and being present, you know, not letting those kind of automatic triggers and responses get the better of you by being yeah. present when you're going to the fridge or when you're cooking your dinner or when you're planning your evening. Um, how well, recognizing, recognizing, Chris, that those triggers are invitations to stop and breathe and come home to yourself. Right. So that there's no judgment about it. It's, oh, look at me, I'm at the fridge. Am I really hungry? No, I'm not. Okay, yeah. so what's going on? Let me just put some space between me and the food that's about to go in my mouth. Let me breathe a moment and just notice <sighs> what's going on here. And then if you want the food, fine. But just begin to put some space between you and your reaction to the outer world. That's the path to then creating a more peaceful inner world. There's a chap called um, James Clear, and he wrote a book called Atomic Habits. He's a very, he's a, he's a big name in the personal development world and he posed a question you know is is the thing you're doing right now is it something you're doing for your present self or is it something you're doing for your future self and often just by asking that question will make you kind of change what you're doing you know shall i will i eat this bagel or this donut or shall i have a glass of water instead you know mm -hmm. is that kind of thing yeah and i would add to that is what i'm doing also for my past self yeah right is it uh, is there is there something that just got triggered from my past that's causing me to want to do this or is it i'm worried about something and it's causing me to do that right now i mean once again it goes back to what we talked about in the beginning doesn't it it's really about self-awareness just yeah. becoming aware of myself as a, the difference between myself as a soul and the difference and myself as a personality is a big part of it uh, the putting space between myself and my reactions to anything, practicing being present. You're very easy to be present with, Chris. You just you <laughs> seem to be um, pretty, like, even keeled. I mean, are you like that in your daily life? Uh, well, sometimes. I mean, stress does get the better of me sometimes, um, particularly work-related. Uh, when I'm around my family and that kind of thing, I find it very um, easy to be present with them because they're very easy to get along with my wife and my my daughter and, and we do make space for each each other like you said earlier about um dividing up the day uh, she's just now taken our little daughter out of the house for a walk up the lane while i i speak to you you know so mm -hmm. we have a, a good um system um of, of working together and i think as well you talked about the pandemic being a 
a big awakener for everybody. And I've had this conversation many times, you know, with people, you know, to become a more in a more aware state, do you have to go in, you know, through some sort of crisis or some tragedy? Some people have found a kind of awakening when someone close to them has died or when they've gone through a period of depression. Um, and it's something that people who don't have a, a, a big dip like that potentially don't get the opportunity to, you know, see, be in the darkness before they can see the light, if you see what I mean. Mm-hmm. And maybe you're, you're right about the pandemic bringing that to more people. It's an opportunity. It's really an invitation. I mean, hard things happen on the planet every day. And um, we may or may not be aware of it. It may or may not be influencing us in our lives. But hard things happen on the planet every day and have for billions of years. And um, the pandemic, what's unique about this pandemic is it's a hard thing happening to millions and millions and millions of people at once. Yeah. And, um, and so, you know, it is, and because it's lasting, it's really causing people to, I mean, it's really forcing people in a lot of ways to, to confront themselves and confront their lives, um, confront each other, um, pay attention to what's going on. So in that way, it's an opportunity. You know, I think it was Tony Robbins said many years ago that human beings change can change either through pleasure or pain and most change through pain. Yeah. Right. Um, so, and part of that really has to do with the old part of the brain, right? The fight or flight or freeze part of the brain that is always searching the horizon for the next um, danger that we have to um, prepare ourselves for or defend ourselves against. So, um, this is a huge pain point for people globally. You know, it's an interesting time on the planet. I mean, I keep reminding myself, especially in the beginning, Cheryl, you chose to be here for some reason at this time. Yeah. And, um, you know, then I say that, and then as I get older, I realize, yeah, anytime you're here, you've chosen to be here. The soul is here to experience life and to grow and evolve as a result of that. I mean, I believe we keep coming back doing that. And um, so regardless of what you're faced with, whether you're working, whether you're not working, whether you have children or you don't, whether you... um, you know, whether you're struggling financially, whether you're not, whether you have space you need, whether you don't, all of it is an opportunity to say, wait a minute, let me remember, there is a higher part of me available here. And let me connect with that part. And I know I keep saying that, but it's, it's really that sort of self-care basic and that important to remember. How do you, um, I mean, there's always this notion of to get ahead in life, you have to work hard, you know, and for, for many decades and many generations, that's led to people having heart attacks at the age of sort of 45 and, and never seeing their families and being away from home for long periods. And, you know, just living this kind of office lifestyle where you, mm-hmm. you know, you don't get any exercise, you're just in a cubicle your whole life. Mm-hmm. How do you balance that kind of notion of success comes from hard work, but also you need to take a step back? Where, where does that kind of Balance. Yeah, I would say, Chris, that um, so that's a belief and it's a belief that's existed for generations. I certainly grew up with that. You know, I grew up, I'm the oldest of seven kids. I grew up in a big family. Um, my father worked three jobs to support our family when we were young. We, you know, we grew up in very, I, I grew up in very humble, uh, you know, I had humble beginnings. My father struggled. I didn't see him a lot when I was younger because um, he was working all the time to try and support our family. And, um, and he demonstrated, he didn't even have to say it, he just demonstrated that you're supposed to work hard. And when you work hard, and for, I would say, the first half of my life, that belief was firmly rooted inside me. And I was convinced that that was the only way to succeed in life, whatever that meant, um, was to just work hard, essentially, to give up my life. And I've since, you know, I remember, it's funny, I remember the day... I remember where I was. I don't know how old I was. I think I was in my mid, maybe late, mid to late 30s. I was listening to somebody talk on an audio program in a cassette in my car way back <laughs> then. And, um, and I remember them saying that, you know, the, the belief that you have to work hard to succeed is just simply a belief and you can change that. And I thought, wow, no one's ever said that before. Like, yeah. That kind of makes sense to me. And I started down a path of shifting that belief from I'm going to work smart, not hard, 
And, um, and I created this little corporate mantra, if you will, for my company, work smart, have fun, no drama. And those were the three guidelines that I began to um, really incorporate into any of the work that I did. I thought about that when it came to hiring people, when it came to deciding whether or not to take an assignment, a client, a speaking engagement, whatever. Um, I was going to work smart, have fun, no drama. Was it going to be fun? Was it going to be drama free? Was I going to be able to do it in a in what felt like an efficient way? Um, you know, a way that was really soul honoring for me. So it's a belief and um, it's a belief that doesn't have to be true if you'd like it to not yeah. be true. And I would go back to, again, the sort of spiritual element of success is the more you can get yourself into a peaceful inner state, the more life shows up for you. You actually have to focus less on how I'm going to get someplace, how I'm going to achieve something. Yeah. And you actually will find that um, life just shows up for you. You know, there's a wonderful book that I often recommend to clients by um, Michael Singer called The Surrender Experiment. I don't know if you're familiar with that book. No, Chris. no, no. Yeah, it's a, it's a beautiful memoir of, um, of what I'm talking about. Michael, you know, started meditating when he was a young man, I think in his early 20s. And he went on to build a very successful um, high-tech company and... Um, he really made his spiritual life his top priority. And he talks about, um, these are my words, getting into a flow state. I think he talks about that as well, um, by managing your inner state. And, the, and it's a beautiful story about how things would come to him in the, most, in the middle of the most challenging times of his life. And, um, and I recommend that. I think it's an inspiring book that really sort of demonstrates in real life what I'm talking about in terms of getting into crafting an inner peaceful state so that you don't have to work so hard. Life shows up for you and it brings you the opportunities that are right for you. And it offers you um, a chance to, uh, you know, just a chance to, to move from a higher place instead of a lower place. It's funny. I, I mean, I, I, Talking of that kind of thing, there's a quote from Oprah, actually, your, your friend Oprah. And she says, what you focus on expands. And when we're, when we're grasping for more and, and constantly wanting sort of better, bigger, you know, faster, shinier, we're really mm -hmm. focused on the lack in our lives. And I, I know you're a great advocate for a gratitude practice and that kind of thing. But when you, when you focus on lack, you're focusing on what you don't have in that it grows in your perception and you kind of invite more of that into your life. But right. when you, when you let go and just focus on your strengths and everything you do have in your life and the roof over your head and suddenly the abundance becomes more apparent and then it's you start to invite more of that into your life as well. Yeah. It's a beautiful practice to really focus on what you're grateful for. I do that every day. Sometimes, you know, I have an Instagram account, um, it's called Coach on, my username is Coach on Call. And pretty much every day I will, I will list a couple of things that I'm grateful for. I mean, for I think two years in a row, almost every night I listed five things I was grateful for yeah. and then invited my followers to do the same. And I am so inspired by what they list. As a matter of fact, it was interesting this morning. Last night I posted that I was grateful for the smell of lilacs and a neighbor who had invited me out of the blue sent me an email saying, I have all kinds of lilac bushes and they're only going to go to waste. Come and cut, you know, come and take some if you'd like them. And I don't have any, and I love lilacs. And I was so grateful for that. And um, I invited people to, you know, tell me what they were grateful for. And I noticed this morning as I was reading through the comments, how many people are saying, I'm grateful for the time with my spouse. I'm grateful yeah. for the walk I had with my son. I'm grateful for, home-cooked meals that my family is enjoying together. You know, I just noticed there are these themes, these yeah. themes that are close to home that um, are really, um, you know, seem to be really present for people right now during this time. They're returning us to the basics. Well, this is returning it. us to peace. Because when you're rushing around, you you know, you're thinking about when am I going to get to the office? You know, am I going to meet my deadlines? Whatever it is, you miss all of this. You miss, miss you know, everything. The, the lilacs in the bushes, you know, the dinner at home with your family and that kind of thing. So, yeah, it is at the very least we, we have an opportunity to 
be more present, like you said before. So, yeah, when I think about presence, you know, if, if we kind of like were to wrap this up, you know, yeah. meditation practice, planting something, watching something grow brings you into the present moment. Um, I would absolutely in, encourage people to set up a bird feeder. That will bring you into the present moment. I've you read can even your bird feeder. Yep. Yeah, you can attach one to your window even. Um, and birds will come and you will, you will, they will bring you into the present moment. Nature will do that. Watching trees swaying in the wind or clouds passing over the sky or staring at a starlit night brings you into the present moment, playing with your children, watching, observing them as a science experiment, how they're behaving. All of these things um, are what bring us to the richness that exists right in front of us every moment of every day, we've just been too busy to see it. Well, I couldn't agree more. I think that's a, a wonderful way to end. So, well, thank you so much for that. I think, um, I, I feel like we've only just got going and I could keep going for hours, but I know you have <laughs> lots of other things to do today. So I'm really grateful for your time today. I'm uh, really, really grateful to have spent this time with you too, Chris. You really have beautiful energy. Oh, thank and, you. <laughs> um, you do. You just have this beautiful way about you. And it's been really lovely to talk to you and to spend time together. And I hope that you and your wife and your little girl, what's her name? It's Luna Poppy. No way. Yeah. Yeah. Luna Poppy. What Luna a beautiful Poppy. name. <laughs> Thank you. Oh my gosh, I love that. I hope that you all just continue to find more and more presence during this time for sure. Thank you. And the same to you as well. So thanks Thank ever you. so much for that. Thank you. All right. Well, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with me and Cheryl Richardson. Um, really fascinating. And I think her message is loud and clear. We need to look after ourselves so that we're able to be the architects of our own lives and to help other people along the way as well. And um, on the whole, that will lead us to become more compassionate and more able to act selflessly and with the best interests of ourselves and others. And it's, it's not just about physical well-being. It's about mental well-being and spiritual well-being, too. So I really enjoyed that. I got a lot out of it. Really grateful to Cheryl for the time and um, I hope you enjoyed it too. I look forward to seeing you on the next podcast. Cheers.